Hey, as you can see, we're continuing our Ecclesia sermon series. Um, we're learning how to be the church that we are meant to be from learning, you know, studying the first century church. And I think for me, or a lot of us, it might be um, human and natural to look back at the first century church and be like, oh man, that was so awesome. We got to go back to, to be like them. But, you know, they really had their own, like, they had a lot of problems problems and struggles too like uh, as they all committed to follow Jesus um, they experienced a lot of social problems they were ridiculed by the cultural elites by the Roman um, authorities they were excluded from circles of uh, influence and business which meant that they had a loss of community and resources and income and yet even under all of these harsh conditions uh, the church grew and so Luke tells us in Acts 2 that 3,000 Jews became believers in Christ. And so we're going to pick up from that. In 40, verse 2, 44 through 46, Luke goes on to say that all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give more to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And so the word that, we, that um, Luke uses for, for common is the word, uh, the Greek word koinonia. And in my day, koinonia was like uh, going to camp, family camp, right? And we're singing songs to the, you know, around the campfire. And we're like, this is koinonia. But it's so much more than that, you know, singing the... Oh, I won't sing all the songs. But, you know, like the Kumbaya and all of those, like, songs that just make you feel warm and good that we're all together. But it's so, so much more than that. Koinonia is a commitment to sharing our life and our love and our resources with one another. It's a commitment. We're being intentional about it. And this is what the first century church was committed to. They were committed to koinonia. They were committed to sharing their homes and their food and whatever they had with one another. They even shared, like as Luke was saying, they, they showed their property and their possessions. And that is really like significant because your property was like what your family owned. Like that was what provided you safety. It was a, what assured you of having a home. Not having land was like, like unimaginable. But they would sell their extra land for, for the people who had need. So cut to a few months later, Luke writes um, that there were about 5,000 believers. And if we look at Acts 4, 32 to 35, Luke writes that all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. They shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. They brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. And so we could see that, the, that if, you know, you, it wasn't just this camp high, like, oh, we're all together, this is great. Like, a few months later, the church continued to be committed to koinonia. They were committed to sharing, and they were motivated to give what extra they had to those, for the best of those who were in need. And they gave no matter what. No one claimed their possessions as they are, these are yours, and these are mine. It wasn't like when my husband Paul was in college, 
And maybe some of you can relate that you're, you know, you're like, man, we're studying and we're tired and we're hungry. Let's get some pizza. And so they would order pizza, right? And they would all like, okay, give, you know, this is your, share. like, if it's $20 and there's five of them, they'd each give like $4. And, you know, and then they would be like, okay, let's get the pizza. And then, you know, Paul and his friend Ed, they eat really slow. Like, I'm always waiting for Paul to finish eating. <laughs> and, you know, and so, like, as soon as the pizza was delivered, Paul and Ed would make sure that they divided all the pizza up before anyone started eating because they knew if they didn't do this, right, then they'd be uh, finishing their first piece and they'd be gone. So, you know, then, so there was no grace in sharing pizza in college for Paul. But, you know, he's changed and he's more gracious now. <laughs> but that's not how Koinonia looks like. The koinonia that the first century church was like, man, my pizza is your pizza, right? If you had two pizzas and I didn't have any pizza, you would gladly share your pizza with me because we're family, right? This is our pizza. That's kind of like how it was with the first century church. And what does Paul, I mean, what does Luke tell us the motivating factor for this like generous sharing, this unbelievable sharing? He says it's the grace of God. They were motivated to give because of the grace of God that they had received. Grace generates generosity. Grace generates generosity. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. And God's grace is a gift to us. It's a gift. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's a gift that is given to us. And that's it's that undeserved gift that changes us, that makes us generous. So cut to 15 to 20 years later, the church expanded throughout Rome, then to the Gentiles, and then at that time in Jerusalem, there was this like severe famine. There was severe poverty. There was a lot of persecution. There was like food shortage. The, the church in Jerusalem, all the people in Jerusalem were suffering. And so the Paul, you know, he started all these churches in Rome and with these Gentile churches. So he's like, okay, I'm going to go around and I'm going to ask for a collection. We're going to take a collection and we're going to ask for, the, for people to send money to the churches in Jerusalem because they need it. And so Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He writes this in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 4. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. So just like Luke, Paul says that the generosity it comes from, it's motivated from God's grace. That grace generates generosity. The Macedonian church, they were extremely poor. They were so poor that Paul was like, I'm not even going to ask them because they're suffering too. But they pleaded with Paul. They wanted to give. They weren't pressured to do it. They weren't guilted into doing it. They didn't feel obligated. They were so eager. They were so motivated to give. And we had to keep in mind that culturally, right, Jews and Gentiles, they hated each other. And they didn't even know each other. They, they lived so far from each other. And it would have been totally shocking for the Gentile church to give to a Jewish church. 
But God's generosity, it transcends like our cultural divide, divisions. The things that divide us, God's generosity, like it doesn't even, it doesn't, it, he doesn't hold to those same boundaries. The church in Macedonia was unusually generous and it was because they knew what it was like to be hungry. They knew what it was like to suffer. They knew what extreme poverty felt like. And so from their own pain and from their own experience, God gave them a grace for the church in Jerusalem because they knew what they were going through. And so grace generates generosity. The kingdom that Jesus preached and lived was all, this is from N.T. Wright, I'm not saying this, N.T. Wright said, the kingdom that Jesus preached and lived was all about a glorious, uproarious, absurd generosity. So cut to today. today. There are so many stories of generosity, but here's a story that will help us understand the kind of generosity that the first century church was committed to. A few years ago, Officer Kirk Keffer of Benicia Police Department, it's in California somewhere, he was patrolling an industrial area where there was usually no foot traffic. But it was after midnight, and he was driving around, and he saw an 18-year-old walking on the street. And so he got out of his car, and he called out to this 18-year-old, and I have a video that shares their story. This teenager used to walk hours to and from work, but thanks to strangers, he now has his own car to get him there. I bought a, a little car, it's nothing brand new, but it's something that will get me to point A and point B much faster than walking. The money was donated to Jordan Duncan through a GoFundMe account set up by the Venetia Police Department in California. Officer Kirk Keffer met Jordan late one night when he was on patrol and saw Jordan walking home from a job as a packaging line worker. Every uh, chance we get to help somebody out, you know, we try to do it. Keffer offered to drive Jordan home that night. Soon after, the department chipped in to buy him a bike. We approached a local bike shop in town who helped us out, and uh, the next night we went down to his work and surprised him with the bike. Then Officer Keffer helped set up the GoFundMe account to get him a car. The campaign raised more than $42,000. The money left over went to books and his family. 18 years old, having that kind of work ethic, you know, walking five hours to and from work, you know, people use that as an obstacle not to work. And I just thought it, you know, that it should be rewarded. You know, so I wanted to make sure that he understood that, you know, a good work ethic and dedication like that is it's going to be noticed. It's going to be rewarded. He helped me make my commute easier. He helped my, he helped actually, my, in general, he helped my life a lot easier. Now that's the power of community. Uh, <laughs> Officer Keffer, God put a, a, a grace in his heart, in Officer Keffer's heart for Jordan Duncan. And in the article, it said, like, he couldn't get Duncan off his mind. Like, he kept wanting, like, how to help him? How can I help him? And so, um, like he said, they got together. He got the officers, and they got together, and they, they bought him a bike. And then the bike owner was like, what? You're giving, you know, you're buying this bike for, you know, this young man? He's like, I'm going to, you know, he's like, generosity is contagious, right? So he's like, okay, I'm going to donate, like, a lighting system and a brake light and a helmet. And so that was all part of it. And then uh, when they were donating, um, when he got the GoFundMe, right, we, we saw that he raised over $42,000. Uh, 
uh, Jordan ended up buying a, I mean, if I saw $42,000, I'd be like, I'm going to buy a nice car. <laughs> like, that's way more than I would ever spend. But Jordan, uh, Jordan bought, Duncan bought, like, a car for $2,900, and he used the rest for college. And so, you know, it's like, this, like, the whole community shared, and, and I love how the officer didn't just, like, oh, I only had this much, or I can only get this much. Like, he, he rallied people around, you know, helping this young man. And so I think that, that, that grace generates generosity, that God places in our hearts a grace for things that can um, come out of like our things that we see in our community or things that the brokenness and the poverty that we experience. That when we receive grace, God places that grace in our hearts that um, for others who are going through the same thing. So, for example, Paul and I, we um, God has placed a grace in us for Clara's health because they help families who have um, experienced unexpected pregnancies. And that's from our experience. And so maybe for you, God has placed in a grace in your heart for people who, um, you know, are in recovery or people who are victims of abuse or people who, you know, are, who are immigrants, whatever it is. Like, none, there's no... There's so many things to give to, but not one is better than the other. Like, this is how God um, is generous with, with all of humanity. And it's not just one person giving to the other. It's like this mutual, in our mutual giving and receiving to one another, our mutual giving generosity towards one another, that this is how we experience heaven together. This is how he provides and is generous to us. This is how we experience his grace. And so for today, you know, I, I was thinking, oh, we should have had this sermon uh, last Sunday because we had that Giving Tuesday uh, where everybody would double their, you know, double, double your giving. But that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to do this week. Um, but, you know, like what grace has God put in your heart? Like we don't have to give to everything, but God has placed a grace in your heart. And so what, what is that? And maybe who can join you in that? You know, this week I got an email from someone who God had placed a grace in her heart. And so she asked a few people if they wanted to join in. And I'm like, that is so beautiful. That is how we experience heaven together. Because God's undeserved gifts, they change us. And they change those around us. God, uh, grace generates generosity. And it's a generosity that tr transcends our cultural divisions. And so if we can imagine grace generating generosity in and through Westlight Church, what kind of change would we see, like, in our schools? Or what kind of change would we see in our workplaces or even in our community? Imagine if we, if, if grace generated generosity just in this room. Like, what if there was, like, nobody in need just in this room, how amazing that would be. How much more heaven on earth would we experience? And it just, this generosity just reflects God's heart. Like, he is so generous. He is for us, and he loves us. And this is his heart for us. And this is, this kind of generosity, this kind of grace is, is that if we can share with others and have a commitment to share with others, then we'll be the church that we were meant to be. Let's pray.